Welcome to Rock That Relationship, a podcast about all things relationship with Corey and Tracy. Now let's get real and start creating relationships that rock. Hello and welcome to episode nine of Rock That Relationship. I'm Corey and I'm here with Tracy today. We're here to talk about giving and taking space. This is actually our last topic out of the eight that we brought up in our very first podcast about the eight lessons that we have learned in being in relationships. So we're excited to talk about this uh, very important issue, right? This idea of how much space, you know, do we want to, you know, make sure we give our partners and our, you know, in a relationship and how much space do we need to have um, in order to have that successful, productive relationship. So that's really what we're looking at today. We're going to hit on some topics uh, related to giving and taking space around independence, interdependence, and codependence. We're also going to talk a little bit about attachment styles and hopefully get a chance to talk about some of our experiences with each of these things. So let me just jump in and, you know, get Tracy's take and our, on our kind of our intro here before we even start, you know, this, this topic is really important. I know this is one that, um, that you had brought up at one point as being a really important lesson. Let me just ask you, what made you want to talk about this on our podcast? I think it's important to give people their space and I haven't been good at that. That's why I want to talk about it. <laughs> so, you, so this is your own processing. So my, your pseudo therapist today, last, last podcast, we talked about Tracy's uh, issue with nobody eating falafel on a train That's platform right. with her. And today mm-hmm. we're going to be talking about her issue with not giving people the space they need. Well, and I think that that's something that's huge in relationships, right? Again, that's what we're here to talk about are things that are, that we can improve on things that need attention and people have different needs for space, Right. You and I have a different need for space than other people. You and I have a different need for space in our relationship. Well, we don't have it. People say that we're, we, we are always talking and we're always doing stuff together. And I mean, as long as that works for us, that's good. Right. But in a relationship, if I'm a person who doesn't need a lot of space and I'm with somebody who does, how do I respect that without being threatened by it? Guess what? I haven't figured that out yet. (laughs) Well, that's a problem. (laughs) Hopefully by the end of this podcast, you'll have all these epiphanies, mm-hmm. right? That's the, that's the plan. I'm writing think, that down for my therapist. I think that, you know, one of those points that you brought up really is this idea of negotiation is, you know, space is, is a, is a subjective topic. Um, we, I know that, you know, both you and I have a, a couple friends actually that say, I live by myself. I like living by myself. I will never really plan on living with another mm-hmm. human being. And both you and I say, ah, that's mm-hmm. awful. Mm-hmm. I definitely want to live with someone. I want them in my space. Mm-hmm. I want someone here 24 hours a day. So yeah. it's all by negotiation, right? Right. And finding that person whose style fits with yours. But, you know, I think there's also a difference between dysfunctional desire for space and normal desire for space. You know, like these can come and then that's how we'll get into attachments down stuff, but these can come from dysfunctional patterns from childhood learned, you know, as you know, a kid and seeing what your maybe dysfunctional parents are doing or whatnot. But I mean, again, it comes to my favorite subject, which is communicating to actually sit down and discuss it. Like, what does that mean to you to have space? Because even the definition of space is different, right? Does that mean mental space, physical space? Is it really a need or is it something you just have been uncomfortable 
you know, with in the past, or this, is this an attachment style issue? And if you can't sit down and talk about it again, you're going to have problems. Right, right. Well, and I think one of the the frames of reference that I've used that really helps me is thinking of the me, you, us kind of trifecta of the relationship, navigating the relationship, right? What is, what is me? What is, where do I show up? What do I want? What do I need? What are my hobbies? What are my interests? What are the things that are just me? What are the mm-hmm. things that are just you? And then what are those things that are us? So for example, I, you know, I have my past two relationships. I think about, you know, a couple, a couple of things that fit into each of these buckets, right? Um, me was, I love writing. I'm a writer and I love sitting and writing and I could write for hours and hours. I don't really want to do that with a partner. I mm. want to do that by myself. That's my hobby. My partner at the time loved running. And for me, I only run when I'm chased. So mm. that was not going to be something in my bucket. And she needed that space. She had her running friends and she ran. And then, but us, we had a lot of things that we did together. One of them that is kind of unique is we loved going to open houses on weekends and we would look forward to it and make a whole list of all the open houses we want to go to. And we'd go, we'd look at, you know, home remodeling ideas. And that was kind of our connection point. And so we had this crossover. I had another relationship where me, it was hiking her. She was played ultimate Frisbee. Again, something that I had no interest in doing. And even if I did, that was her space. And those Mm -hmm. are her friends. And then us coming together to watch some of our favorite TV shows, but having a very clear negotiation of what was me, what was you and what was us helped us figure out, did we have enough balance in each of those, those buckets in order to have the relationship that we wanted? And that balance, of course, is, you know, subjective to the people that are making that, you know, did, those, those lists. Did you sit down and discuss that with these partners or did it kind of just play out? I mean, was it like a negotiation? Was it a discussion? Did you ever say like, no, I, I don't want you around when I'm writing unless we're in Europe at a coffee shop or something like Right. How do right. you do that? Do you need to do that? Does it naturally fall into place? Well, you know, what's interesting is I would say that it naturally falls into place. What's in, what's me, what's you and what's us, at least what I've experienced, it naturally fell into place. But the proportions of time in which I, we spent in each of those buckets, we had to navigate after the fact. It was like, mm-hmm. wait a minute, we're not spending enough us time or us hobbies, or we don't have enough us connection points or you know, you are, you know, doing, you know, being so involved in, you know, your running group that you're running like, you know, four Mm -hmm. hours a day and I never see you or I'm writing so much that I, you know, tune you out. And so the, the buckets filled up exactly as predicted without having any intention at the beginning, but it was the time allotment that just kind of, that naturally occurred in a way that wasn't helpful. And we did have to revisit it after the fact. So if I were to do it over again with both of those relationships, I would sit down and say, what's me, what's you, what's us. Okay. That's pretty easy to figure out. Now, where do we feel like those, you know, it's kind of those boundaries are how fluid and flexible. If I wrote for six or seven hours a day, Mm. you know, after work, would that be a problem? You know, would that be too too disconnecting? And that's where we'd figure it out. So I would say a little bit of both. Well, when you're talking about this, do you put actual buckets and then you write on a piece of paper? This is me bucket. And this is what I have in my bucket. And that person's like, this is what I have in mine. And do you get your feelings hurt if that other person says, I don't want, I want my ultimate Frisbee to be for me. Like, I like my crowd mm-hmm. of friends. I want to be there. And, you know, maybe you can come to our championship game, but for my practices and stuff, I just want to be there as me, you know, like, are yeah. we a different person in a relationship than we are in a couple. So even though let's say we're in a relationship currently, which I'm not, I just want to make that clear. But if I am (laughs) in one, like, am I a different person within that couple? Like, 
if we're going out to meet with other people to play a sport or whatever, it's okay. So I go to pickleball, right? I go quite a few hours a day. If I was in a couple, would I show up differently than as a single person? I mean, perhaps, right? If that person went with you and wanted to play pickleball or the person went with you and wanted to sit and watch you play pickleball, or even if the person didn't go with you and said, what time are you going to be home from pickleball? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, all of those, I think are going to have an effect. And, and I know the question that you asked is, do you literally sit down and write this on a piece of paper? Well, you know, as a professor, I always say you should sit down and write things down on a piece of paper and, mm-hmm. and reflect and think about it like a Venn diagram, you know, literally sitting with your partner just, you know, one evening and just say, all right, let's do the me, you, us buckets and figure out, you know, what things are falling into place. Where do we feel like there's crossover? Where do we feel like we, you know, I have enough me time, but you don't have enough you time because you're, you know, you work more hours than I do. So let's figure out how to balance that and really have that kind of a conversation. But you're right. I think that your me time could also be impacted by the fact that you're in a relationship. If you're, you know, I I like the idea of, you know, yeah, come to my Frisbee championship game, but let me have a little bit of space. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I, when we really look at it, we break it down into like these, you know, kind of two parts of me, the having kind of your own hobbies and interests, um, and then also maintaining your own identity. So those are two different components of me. Right. So for like, for my own life, like what is my interest? Um, so for one of my interests, and you know, this, because you, you have the same interest is sort of this power, extreme, quick, fast paced, long distance hiking. Um, we heat hike, which means we go out in the middle of like a hundred degree weather and we don't even let it bother us. We go really fast and we go really long distances and no one wants to hike with us because that's what we do. And if I end up hiking with my, whoever my partner is, and I've had this with every single partner I've been with, they're slower than me and they kind of drag me down. I want to have my own hobby. I want to just say, you know, Hey, we're doing this. Like for instance, you know, you and I are planning on going to Machu Picchu and I kind of don't want anyone else to go because we have our thing. And right. You know, I'm not, you and I aren't dating just to be clear with everybody who's listening. Tracy yeah, it's not, are not, we're dating, not dating, we're but not, we have never a will, never did. <laughs> I know she gets a visceral reaction. that's sometimes a little more extreme than is comfortable for me. But uh-huh. <laughs> um, anyways, the, um, you know, this idea of having our own life, right? You right. know, like my hobby is to do power hiking with you, Tracy. And I don't necessarily want somebody to come and not because right. I don't love them or want them to be a part of it. You know, and, and before I met you, because we jive well, right. right. In that activity, we jive well before that I had another friend that I would do adventure hiking with. And I didn't want my partner at the time to come because that was like my thing. And it it had nothing to do with that person. I just had my own interest and I had my own way of doing it. I had my own people and I wanted her and I want her, you know, to, to have those things too. Um, you know, you gave a really great, you told a really great story the other day to somebody about, and I I remember hearing it was this idea about like this girl's night out, Right. right? Like does your partner come? So tell, tell us a little bit more about that. Like, what does that mean for like, especially a same-sex relationship? Well, that was when I was dating someone for eight years who I'm very good friends with now, best friends. And I really, really liked her during our relationship and everything. And so did my friends. So when it was girls night out, so for me and my lady friends, all straight, they would be like, why don't you invite Lisa? Lisa, bring her along. And I'm like, no, like I need my time, right? Like your husbands aren't coming or your boyfriend isn't coming. Why on earth should my girlfriend come? Just because she's also a woman, you know, that's infringing on my time as, you know, girls night out. And so that was, I mean, I'm the one, you know, they wanted to invite her every time. And I'm like, no, and not because I didn't want her around, but I need friends, friend time, right? I need the girls night out. And just being in same sex relationship that goes for men, men, women, women, it doesn't mean that, I mean, 
it doesn't mean that you don't want to hang out with that person, but you do need separate time. You do. Mm-hmm. And you need to be able to talk to people without your partner around, you know, exactly. and just let loose. Right. Cause I do think we show up as different people in a relationship. Like you said, if the person's like, what time are you coming home from pickleball? And I'm like, Oh my gosh, now I need to make sure that I'm looking at the time. I mean, of course I do that for work and whatnot, but it's like, you have different responsibilities when you're in a relationship. And also if you bring someone along on your activities, you may do more um, caretaking and, and hiking the same, right? We want to be, we want to do our hikes the way we want to do them. And nobody likes it. Very few people like to hike with us. <laughs> no, they don't. They see us coming to a meetup and like, oh no, there they are yeah. again. But um, yeah, I mean, that's, it's really important to be able to have those me spaces, but it's also important to, to do, to support our partners. If they say, listen, I have, you know, my book club and you're like, oh, I, I like that book too. I want to mm-hmm. read that and go to your book club. And they might say, well, I kind of want that space or maybe they won't even say it. Right. And then, you know, you're infringing. So, you know, making sure we give our partners those, that space to be themselves, do their things and, and then figure out what is the us. If we're both really, we both love pickleball, for instance, and we're going to go do pickleball together and right. that's our thing. Great. That can be in the us bucket, but we both have to agree to that. Well, and I, I have an example from pickleball because I have a friends, a same sex couple friends that are there and they play maybe one or two games together and then they don't play again because one is way more hardcore than the other. And it actually, and they were talking about this the other night, causes problems in their relationship. It's just two, one of them is way more intense than the other one and hard hitting, right? And so you can't, okay, you can be there, they're, to, they're together, they're there for the same amount of time, but they're not playing the games together. And that keeps their relationship healthy because sometimes we're just not at the same level. I mean, you know, when I met my uh, girlfriend in law school, she's from Wyoming and she's like, you know, I love hiking. I'm like, I love hiking too. Well, oh my God, I didn't know what hiking meant to her. I mean, she's the one who got me into hardcore hiking, but it took a while and it took a lot of screaming and crying and, you know, throwing myself off the trail. Like <laughs> I can't go another foot. Give me a something to eat. Um, but then I got, then, you know, we split up and I got married. And when I would go hiking with my wife, she was like, you're, what is wrong with you? You're like, you know, you're trying to kill me. You're trying to torture me. You're, and I'm like, what is happening? You're going so slow. Like, are you intentionally (laughs) going slow to slow me down? What is happening? Because here's something. And now I do it because I understand this. If somebody says, I want to go hiking with you, I'm like, whoa, okay, let's sit down and talk about what does hiking mean? Because yeah, hiking, we need a full-blown yeah. interview at that Yeah, point. for real, because yeah. it's not the same thing and it becomes so uncomfortable. It, it's uncomfortable for me to go slow and it's uncomfortable for them to feel like they have to, they can't even keep up and that it's, you know, it's, they're hiking to see nature. I'm hiking to exercise. Two right. completely different things. And like when I first moved to Wyoming, we would hike 14 hours a day on the weekends. And I finally I was telling my boss, please schedule me for Sunday at 1 p.m. So I can just <laughs> say I can only do a morning hike because after summiting something every Saturday, I was like, oh, my God, I cannot go and summit something again Sunday. Right. And so and I was like, you go ahead and you go summit something. But it's hard. I mean, it really is. You really have to communicate even down to what does it mean to play this activity? And people, I couldn't go play pickleball with someone who wasn't serious. You know, yeah, that yeah. would put me over the edge. Well, and I think what you're t- really hitting on too is this uh, this notion that, 
you know, not only is it kind of an incompatibility of goals and mutual activities, right? Are we on the same place having the same idea about what we're about to do? But it's also, you know, the, the kind of the earlier conversation is having that space, regardless of if you, maybe you are exactly the same hiking, but also sometimes just needing to hike by yourself or with someone else without that person around because you need that mental space. So the physical and the mental mm-hmm. is really important. And then there's this other component though, that, you know, is really, really key to hit on is this maintaining your identity while in a partnership. I remember I watched this movie not too long ago. Great movie. It's called free solo. If you haven't seen it anyways, um, you know, the, the guy in the movie, he's a, he basically a rock climber and he, Alex does, Honnold, the best rock climber in the world. <laughs> and yes. he, 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 he rock climbs and they were talking, they interviewed who ended up being his girlfriend and was like, what's it like to be with him? Do you ever want to just tell him? no, this is too dangerous. And she said, I couldn't because I would be basically stifling part of who he is, part of his identity. So she had to give him the space to do something incredibly risky where he just might not come home at the end of the day, because she knew that if she didn't, that was that he needed that space or he wouldn't be in a relationship with her. And so are there parts of our identity that, that, we, we have to have, and I know Tracy, for you, you were a cop and this right. idea that you could go to work every day and you put your life on the line. And maybe there's someone who says, I can't give you the space to have that identity because I'm too afraid you're not going to mm-hmm. come home. Mm-hmm. And so there's that kind of space, right? Like where right. You, you, you have to be able to have your identity, but knowing that you're compatible with whoever you are that will support that identity and not say, well, listen, I know I, I, I ended up getting with a cop, but I've changed my mind. I really just think you should get out of that line of work. Right. You can't do that. And that's the same that is goes for policing fire goes for free soloists. It, you know, there was that other movie we watched. Exactly. Like people like people need, and especially in those kind of things, I think that the extreme sports are similar to being a cop or being in the military or being a firefighter where your life is on the line, but that is something that is, it's very hard to explain to other people. It's really it doesn't affect us in the same way it affects an outside person, you know, like, mm-hmm. and if that's too much stress for them, then maybe that's not a great relationship because people like that. I don't know that I like the term adrenaline junkie. Cause I think that I never took, I never took risks that were not calculated risk for a reason. Right. And I don't feel like Alex Honnold ever takes uh uncalculated risks that he just does. He doesn't do stupid things, right? There are things that are going to happen. You could fall, rock could break off. Um, I could go to work and be shot or whatever, but that is, I'm taking a calculated risk and there are other people that are just aren't comfortable with that, you know, and, and that's distinguished from somebody who's like, you know, just all over the place or, 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 but there are risk takers in this world and people who aren't risk takers. And it is hard to make a relationship work with those two people. Yeah. I'm on giving them space. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about this idea of kind of navigating the space, right? We, we talked a lot about what is that space, maybe why, you know, what experiences we've had in, you know, in identifying the space, but really looking at some key pieces around, you know, dependence, interdependence, independence, codependence, and, you know, how that might tie into one of your favorite topics we're talking about is attachment styles. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, this idea of let, let's look first at, you know, what is what is interdependence? Right. Um, you know, this idea that interdependence is that we are dependent upon each other in ways that are healthy. Um, we're not, we're not, um, dependent on each other for our, you know, survival per se. We're not everything to each other, right. but we, we're dependable to the fact that we won't let each other down. We can depend. So that's what that dependence comes from, right? Mm-hmm. 
is that interdependence. And that's what you want to have in potentially with the relationship. And that's what I, you know, I strive for and I have strived for. And I've, I've been pretty lucky with most of my relationships to have those interdependence relationships. Um, but then, you know, that you can also kind of slip into other places where it's independence, where you have so much space from each other that you're just totally like apart. Two different people, right? Yeah, I mean, you're, like you're living not... under the same roof and you're like, right. what, what, who are you? You know, right. like, um, oh, do you want to do something this weekend? Oh, I'm busy. I've got mm-hmm. this on this day and this on this day. And you just lead these like co-lives. And then you've got codependence where you have no space from each other at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and you just are so reliant on your partner being your best friend, your roommate, your, your adventure buddy, your whoever it is, even your coworker sometimes mm-hmm. that you have no space from them. So, um, let's talk about this with attachment styles. Cause I know this is like your, your bread and butter here and the things you love to talk about. How do, how do these like different levels of in, independence, interdependence and codependence fit with attachment styles? And what are attachment styles even to begin with? Well, you know, and the reason I like them so much is because I just actually finally understood them this last year. I really didn't get it before, you know, as growing up as little, little kids, like toddlers, infants, we actually develop an attachment style based on how our parents act towards us. Okay. So there's like four different ones. And I was always disorganized attachment or avoidant, like, oh my God, get away from me. Oh, wait, I want you here. Oh no, you're an enemy to me. Go away. And that played out in so many different ways in how I acted in a relationship, right? Oh, I need my independence. Oh, I can't get too involved. Um, but reading about them, our goal for all of us should be to be securely attached. And the great thing that I learned is that attachment styles can change. You're not, even though you learn your attachment style when you're a kid, you can change that with, you know, therapy, reading about it, understanding it. The the thing that we should all strive for is secure attachment. And that means you're not anxious about where this person is. You're you're both secure in how you show up in the relationship. And you also understand that in a relationship, the two people should be interdependent. I should be able to rely on my spouse for emotional support, um, financial support, you know, not talking about taking advantage, just that, okay, if we're going to be in a relationship, then we're going to be there for each other. And that right in a secure attachment, again, it's like balance. I'm giving to you, you're giving to me. Well, and this idea that you're also emotionally secure with the fact that your partner's not going to leave at the, just the, the slightest mm-hmm. disagreement mm-hmm. or that they're, you're not questioning or, you know, you're you know, not worried about every worried. little thing that's going to happen. You can have a disagreement and you can talk it out or you can sit down and have these deep conversations, you know, which again, I've, I've said it before, like why be with someone if you can't talk about everything? Why? Like to me, you, that primary relationship should be one that is deep and fulfilling. Right, right. So if you you're, so if you have a secure attachment, you have this interdependence going on where you can rely on each other, you can trust each other, you don't believe that the person is going to up and leave every five minutes. Um, and you're know, secure in the fact that when they're going to play Ultimate Frisbee, that's what they're doing. Right. They're playing ultimate frisbee. They're having a good time. You going, know, going back to what we've talked about before, kind of assuming the best in people, good mm-hmm. intentions. So, but you brought up this idea of like avoidant, 
So avoidant, you know, what you had just talked about is this idea of kind of this in such independence that isn't necessarily a positive independence It's getting up and leaving. I remember you telling a story in one of our earlier podcasts about basically, you know, throwing things in a bag and walking out the door, yeah. avoiding the conflict, avoiding the situation, just I'm done checking out. Um, and well, I and- didn't avoid the conflict. I just want to be clear about that. I created conflict. You created so I conflict. could avoid the relationship. <laughs> you avoided the reaction to the conflict. Right. And, yeah. yeah. And, could, and, could, and, then, and that's yeah. what I would do because that's what I learned growing up. Fine. I'm out of here. Forget it. You know, and it's hard. Than, yeah. Yeah. That's that being reactive and avoidant attachment is something that people should not strive for. And it's this like need for independence so much so that you're willing to sabotage the relationship. So you know, don't get in a relationship then. If if you don't want to be in it, you don't want to put the work in and the intention, then it's going to be very, very hard to stay in a relationship. It's like push-pull. Oh, I want you because I'm attracted to you. I have feelings for you, but bah, mm, don't want to be in a relationship. And why are we in a relationship if we don't want to have somebody to depend on, right? Yeah. Well, I want to and- know that that person's there for me and I want to be there for that person. Well, and the thing is too, with avoidant is some, a lot of people who are avoidant might not even know that that's her attachment style. And so they think they want to be in a relationship and then they start acting out in ways that are unproductive. But let's look at the other attachment style too, that we haven't really talked much about is this idea of this anxious attachment, you know, this more like a codependent, like I'm anxious. I'm you know, sort of the reverse of secure. Mm -hmm. Like I'm worried that you're going to leave. I'm worried Mm -hmm. all the time that you're not going to love me or I'm not good enough for you or some kind of anxiety. And you create this codependence. I mean, have you, have you been in a relationship or seen this show up in a relationship? I mean, I guess I've been a little bit anxious. Actually, what's interesting is you can be a securely attached person and get with an avoidant person and become an anxious person because you've got to have the equilibrium. Both of you need to be striving towards being securely attached. And yeah, I've seen that before. I don't know that I would necessarily say I was anxious before, but I guess I had the anxious avoidant. So predominant avoidant, then a little bit anxious. And that's that like, oh, where are you going? I need you. I need you. And then you drive that person crazy, right? They're Mm -hmm. like, oh my Mm -hmm. God, I just want to go on this trip. or I just want to go out of, you know, out for dinner or whatever. Just don't text me for three hours and that should be okay. (laughs) Right. Like then you've got to, that has to be a talk. And one thing that I was reading, they were like, okay, if you know your attachment style, then go to your partner and say, you know what? I know you're going to be at work all day. You're working a 12 hour shift. If you could just text me, let's say every four hours, just let me know. Hi, or you're okay. That will go a long way into mitigating like the anxious person's reaction, right? Again, yep. it's communicating. Okay. These are the things that I need. I understand that I have this anxious style and I'm going to I'm going to work towards making that better. Now, the flip side is that if a person is an avoidant or anxious avoidant, they may do things to like kind of in order to sabotage the relationship, they make that secure person more anxious because they do things that like knock their footing off. So like when we're in a relationship, we shouldn't be doing that. We should be above board. We should be communicating because you don't want your partner to feel insecure or anxious. Right. You You don't just blame it on them. Like, Oh, you're a problem. Maybe you're doing something. Maybe you could just talk about it and putting in little, like, what would you call it? Like, like daily habits or something that makes the other person feel okay. 
that, that aren't extreme, like, oh my God, I don't need to go put a camera on you and follow you around work. But if you're oh, working yeah. <laughs> a 12 hour shift, could you just text me, you know, in yeah. between taking that person's brain out and then, you know, putting it back in, like, it doesn't have to be extreme, but well, that's the whole point is it's moderated. And, right. you know, and so if some, you know, there's, there's some great um, tools online. If you, you know, Google attachment styles, there's even like little, you know, kind of self-assessments you can take to figure it out. And of course that isn't clinical. There's much more clinical ways of approaching this, but if you're just kind of curious, um, you know, this can help you figure out, you know, if there's an attachment style that, that you may resonate with more. And so there's two, there's two pieces. And I know Tracy, you're talking about what is the partner's role in that? Like, okay, you know, you can text them, a, you know, a couple of times to make sure that they, that you don't feel anxious. And then there's the responsibility of the partner to say, okay, I know that I get anxious about this. So I need to find ways of coping because my right. partner might go a whole day without texting me. And I need to, I need to be able to figure out and feel that our relationship is okay. Even when they take the space that they need. And if um, you're in anxious, anxious person and you're not willing to go to therapy or put in these like helpful measures, you know, don't get with a surgeon who's going to be working 12 hours with no cell phone or, you know, possibly, you know, a first responder or a military person who is gone right on deployment. That's yeah. very hard. And, and maybe there are just some styles that can't handle certain things. And I think you figure that out ahead of time. Yeah. Well, I know that we listened to this great podcast. Jessica De Silva had a po- has a podcast called Let's mm-hmm. Talk Attachments. We'll That's put great. it in the show notes. Um, but there's other uh, resources we'll put in the show notes about um, attachment styles, because I think it's important to at least recognize where you might fall in and some of the things that might be showing up in your relationship. Um, but let's transition a little bit because we had just a, a few other things we wanted to talk about space because I mean, that's such a good one with attachment styles is kind of the, the underpinning of what space we're looking for and how we define the space we need and where does that come from? But what about just, just like that? Cause that's more like chronic long-term right, space. Right. This is more like in, like in the moment space. We're in a disagreement. I need some space. And the other person says, I don't need space. So like, here's an, you know, like an example. Um, I was with an an introvert and I'm an extrovert and we would get into a conflict and I would immediately want to talk it through because I felt really unsettled with the conflict and I'm an extrovert. So I needed to process what I was feeling and I wanted to come to some resolve, be done. And then like, go have dinner and watch TV. Mm -hmm. And my partner at the time would say, I'm really, I'm really upset about this. I need to go think about this. And I'm like, well, for like, how many minutes do you need? Because I'm, you know, I'm I'm really unresolved. And then she would say, well, I need to think about it overnight and we can talk tomorrow. And I'm like, I I won't sleep. Like Mm -hmm. I'm going to feel like I'm going to throw up for now until we talk. Can you give me a time? Can you give me something? And so we both needed the different kind of space to process a disagreement. We ended up coming to a kind of a mutual space where she didn't, we agreed that she would never make me wait overnight mm-hmm. um, because that was just too stressful for me. But I agreed that I would not make her do it in the moment. So we would always say, okay, well, let's come back together in like two hours and talk about this. And that made me ha- feel better because I knew how long the space was mm-hmm. and feel better because she actually got the space. Well, and you have to then honor that, right? So if mm-hmm. you agree, and I think that's something actually people should talk about as they're getting into the relationship, not down the road when there's problems. I mean, if you end up having to go to therapy about those problems, then figure that out. What do you need an hour, two hours? But I agree leaving stuff overnight for, especially when dealing with people like us, we can go, I mean, 
it's not good for us. No, it, it goes back into us. the speculating thing we talked about in our last mm-hmm. episode where it's like, we, we just mountain out of a molehill and we're building and building and building and we get really right. worked up. And I'm not sure that it, it helps calm us down. I think it build it revs us up. So what are some of the things that you've done when, you know, like, you know, for needing some space during a disagreement, I know you and I like to process quickly, but what are some other helpful strategies? Right. I don't need space. That's the fact. You know, what <laughs> about when the, okay, what the about other person you, needs it? Yeah. yeah. And then I say, okay, well, because I've learned this in therapy, what's, when can we come back and talk about it? Yeah. Because if you don't give me a time, I'm going to just sit there in front of you and be like, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready to talk about it yet? Can we talk about this? You Mm -hmm. know, cause Mm -hmm. I don't have that. I, I can't not know when we're going to come back and talk about it. I will. Yes. I will go insane. Yeah. Well, you know, what's really funny is there were a couple of times when my, my partner would say, well, I need to think about this overnight. So early in the relationship, we were doing that. It was like, oh my gosh. And then mm-hmm. come back the next day and I'd just be, I'd been up all night, you know, and then I would say, when can we talk about that disagreement last night? And she'd be like, oh, oh, I totally forgot about that. Um, and it's like, what? I've been thinking about this all night. Process again. Yeah. Or, right. or she'd just never bring it up mm-hmm. and it just died. And it was like, wait a minute, right. hold on. You gave me too much space. And now I've like, you know, you know, inundated myself with these thoughts over the space. Um, so, but understanding that other people might need space, you know, here mm-hmm. we are two extroverts, the very similar Tasmanian devil extroverts that don't need some of the stuff that other people might need, but being in tune with the fact that, you know, we're, not always going to be with people that are like us. And so communicate. Yep. Respecting that. Yeah. Your three words are, you know, if you haven't gotten to know Tracy yet is communication. Yeah. Communicate. It is therapy and it yeah. is pickleball. That's right. Those are the three things that Tracy loves to talk about. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of end us with a final question here. I really want to get your thoughts on this is, you know, we talk about the importance of taking individual space. We talked about the importance of, of being able to negotiate that space in, you know, in the moment situations like a disagreement. We've talked about being able to navigate that space, whether it's, you know, defined by attachment styles. We've talked about just even taking and navigating that space when it comes to our own identities and our own hobbies and, and making sure we have that. So we're, 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 you know, keen on taking the space that we need, but what, what do you do, um, when you're, you're giving and taking space and you may end up taking too much space or giving too much space that you start to become disconnected. You have these like parallel lives. What, um, so what, what kinds of things can you do to either kind of prevent that parallel living to ha- you know, happen or, um, to reconnect after you have identified it? Well, I've never had that issue, actually, I don't think. And because at the first sign of that, I would jump on it, right? But I'm a person who likes to be with my the person I'm with. I like it. You know, yes, I will always do my own activities, but I'll talk about it. Okay, Saturday morning, I'm going to go hiking. Saturday morning, I'm going to go do pickleball. And like I said, my ex-wife, she wanted to do date night. Now, what date night? I would like to go and do different things like an evening hike or something. She liked to go to dinner, right? So you have to talk about it, communicate. What do we need? What do we like? I was not always very good at um, honoring that. So that was something harder for me, right? To mm-hmm. do that. Mm-hmm. So I'm not the role. I'm not, I don't think I've ever really grown disconnected from someone. Yeah. And that's different. I had a long, very long-term relationship where we grew mm-hmm. into, you know, I mean, you know, they talk about, you know, this kind of disconnecting thing in around year seven that can happen. Um, we were literally leading parallel lives. We would just, were ships passing in the night kind of thing. We just had a kid. Um, and so that was the only thing that really brought us together. So when we looked at the me, you and us buckets, the us, the only thing that was in us was caretaking for a child. We had left everything else out of that us bucket. There was nothing else for her and I to connect on. And so, 
you know, with the first signs of disconnection, we didn't do anything. We just kept living our lives. And that goes back to that episode where we talk about watering the garden, where I just like literally let the, let the flowers and the plants die. And so I, in retrospect, as we talk about these lessons we've learned is, you know, I wish that we would have really leaned into some of our common interests. We had a lot of things in common. We just stopped doing them with each other. We stopped doing them, uh, some of, you know, in some cases altogether. Um, we played on a softball team together for many years. And then she said, I just don't want to play softball anymore. So two nights a week, I was gone softball and she was mm-hmm. doing something else. And so finding what are those things we can, we can do together, um, you know, Maybe you guys should have listened to our podcast together. Maybe it would have helped you. I know, right? The, our future mm-hmm. was kind of listening. It's very meta to think about right. that. But yeah, I mean, I think that that would have been really good is to find some of those common interests. The other thing that would have been really important that we didn't do is setting quality time together um, and calendaring. One of the mm-hmm. things I did do in my relation, my relationships since that one is really kind of plan on calendaring. Okay. So you know, Hey, this weekend I want to go on a hike, you know, and, um, what day would be better Saturday or Sunday? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's good that we're talking about it because I want to go do this this weekend. Well, let's plan it both on the same day so we can have our individual days. And then let's take the next day and hold that for just the two of us. But it it was clunky for a long time. I was like, well, I'm doing this on Saturday. And then my partner would be like, well, I'm doing this on Sunday. And then next Mm -hmm. thing you know, we didn't see each other. So Mm -hmm. some of it was logistical. We put, we actually put together a joint Google calendar and we would put, we would block out things that we were interested in doing so we could plan around it. And then we would block off times in the calendar that was like, this is our time. I don't know what we're doing during this time, but do not put anything here. Mm -hmm. We're spending it together. And that for me helped. And I wish I had that in the previous relationship, but, um, well, can I, one thing I have to say with my ex-wife, we did have a, we had a joint calendar and that was very helpful in order for me to know when she was inpatient. So I wouldn't like drive her crazy with texting and stuff. Oh, so that's another thing to help with the space, right? right? Mm -hmm. So you're Mm -hmm. like, okay, she's not getting back to me because she's in in a meeting or in an appointment right now. I think, yeah, that's great. That's great. Right. Well, I know we have talked about a lot. We've covered a lot of ground about taking space, giving space, negotiating space, and just kind of figuring out how we keep um, our, ourselves in an inter- interdependent and healthy relationship. And uh, we are, are just about wrapping up our season. We've got one more episode left about, about living the eight lessons. And it's going to be a real fun um, peek into Tracy's and my <laughs> views on some of the things, not just our lessons that we've learned about our past relationships, but things more about the present day and how these eight, uh, eight lessons are kind of coming to fruition. So definitely stay tuned for our next podcast episode 10 and in the meantime make sure that you go out there and rock those relationships if you liked what you heard check out our show notes for resources from today's episode make sure to follow us on facebook and instagram under rock that relationship and go to our website at rockthatrelationship.com for updated episodes and more great information thanks for listening now go rock those relationships 